We are live, fellas. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement. What's up, Bill Cannon? How you doing? I'm excited about the show tonight. Yeah, I'm stoked too, man. We have a, a great friend of ours, a great friend of the show. Um, he's the president of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, and uh, he's returning guest. What's up? Ed hey. Mullins. How are you, buddy? Bill. Good to see you. Is that your phone, Ed? No, it's his computer. It's nonstop emails coming through. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to shut it down, but you may not hear me. You know. Oh my you look god! Good. You look really good, by the way. Well, thanks. You know. You know, I had I, I have some I have some like pictures over the years of you, uh -oh. and uh, you uh, you have a different like hairdos. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show one where you still had hair. How's that? <laughs> look at that. That's an old. Young, you got <laughs> well, Bob, Bob Ganley's there in the picture, so he's funny to too, and his wasn't great at that point, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, and so much, so much happening in the city, and so much happening with for your job, what unions have to be concerned with, right. and it just seems that so many bad things have happened this year in regards to policing. Yeah, and you know, all the hits. It seems like the department is accepting all of the police reform measures that are being passed down both by the state and by the mayor's office. And, and I find that if they're not fighting it at that level because they've already been told, if you don't accept this, go look for another job. Right. You know? right. Yeah, I, I tell you, Bill, is, you know, you really nailed it. The, the department is accepting what's occurring. I've actually been taking notes for a little over a year and a half now. And I intend to write a book on leadership and name names on the people who are there now and their failure to lead. Um, we've seen this really going back to when Bratton first came in uh, the second time, you know, with uh, de Blasio, followed by O'Neill, um, who's now followed by Shea. And if there's ever been a remake of the Three Stooges, this is it. Um, we have seen a city that has held crime down for over 20 years. Um, people felt safe. They walked the streets. Tourism boomed, business boomed. And now the shootings, the homicides are going through the roof. And the people in charge simply don't care. You know, there was a press conference the other day amongst all the unions, and they brought in the victims, you know, the family members of the victims. And what no one said, and which really should have been said, is that the murders and the shootings that occurred, um, they're the responsibility of the mayor, the police commissioner, and the hierarchy of this department, who is setting the policies and going along with this nonsense is being um, dished out by city council. They're just as guilty as the people standing behind the guns pulling the trigger. Well, then I'm going to just put something on the screen and maybe you could comment about that. Well, here we go. Yep. I mean, how do you justify this? An innocent mom walking the street, shot in the head. There is no way to justify this. And what's emboldened the criminals is the fact that they know the NYPD is not making those arrests. They're not out tossing people for guns. That every little thing, you stand in front of the camera, and we become the victim of discipline. We become the victim of lawsuits. Um, so it becomes a hands-off approach. It becomes that... This, this diaphragm bill in city council, if you look at a direct correlation 
as to when the shootings in his city went up and the homicides went up, there's two major factors is when Commissioner Shea did away with anti-crime and the diaphragm bill. Two, those two are directly responsible for the increase in shootings, the increase in homicides. We told every perp in the city of New York, it's okay to carry a gun. We gave them the green light to carry a gun. We gave them the green light to go out and shoot people. And that's what And with that in mind, I want to share a video that uh, sort of mirrors what you were just talking about. Sure. And uh, you, maybe you could comment on this after we um, share this. You're going to see the gun come out pretty soon. There's the handle of the gun right there. Yeah. It looks like an old revolver. Yeah. PD revolver. That's going to be a big barrel gun. I just wanted to comment on that because it's horrendous and yeah. the cops could have been killed. And look, I'm not criticizing the cops. They were working within the parameters of the law that they've been taught right now. And they're, they're handcuffed. Look at this guy. He had, he had no qualms about getting up fighting with them and, and trying to run away. And he could have shot both of them. Bill, you just said very correctly is that those police officers could have been killed. And what we would have is we'd have a phony mayor, a phony police commissioner, everybody standing at a funeral, sitting back, saying uh, this was a tragedy, hero cops. That's what they would be doing. And when, in fact, when they do those press conferences, what we should be saying, and this is why they'll never let me stand with them, is I would blame them for what's occurring with the police officers. I do not stand with the mayor and the police commissioner when we have cops shot. It's their responsibility as to why this is happening. In this particular case... You can't really judge the cop because they are working within the parameters of the law. But you see no one swinging any kind of stick, baton, anything. You know, it's forbidden. And yet we know that this individual has a firearm. And the question then becomes, what was that firearm used for in the past? Is he wanted for homicides? He wanted for multiple homicides? He wanted for shootings? We don't know exactly what he's wanted for. And we're now at a deficit when we're trying to apprehend him where it's very easy for him to just turn around, shoot us and kill us. Well, you know, Ed, uh, the female cop felt the gun, and that's right. why you saw her pull her gun, and she was right. going to shoot him. Right. If she would have shot him, they would have been all wrong. Right. But, but she felt that gun. You could be 100% justified today and still become 100% wrong because the politics and the media are going to blame the cop. And I just had a conversation with a cop the other day from anti-terrorism. Came by, he said, I work in a good place and everything. Said, that's great. 
But when you leave here and you walk to the corner across the street, if you get in a shooting, even if it's a good one, the district attorney is going to indict you. And our useless police commissioner is going to put you out there and hang you. That's what's going to happen because the mayor is going to support it. So at the end of the day, you really have to think about your family. You have to think about yourself, your own paycheck, and what's going to happen to you. Um, It's sad because we're there to serve the public, but no one wants to hear this. And that's the truth. It's unbelievable. I just have to shout out to some of our uh, our live chat people. Peter Pranzo again, Connie Carey, Joanne Blasich, and some uh, Nick the Goat. Thank you for that $5 super chat. Aaron Rodriguez, $49.99 super chat. $50. Yeah, oh, my God. We're getting rich doing this show. Thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, and 12-Step Woman for the $4.99. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening. You're listening to the um, SBA president. Ed Mullins, who never pulls any punches. In fact, he gets punched sometimes for some of the things that he says. Hey, Ed. But, sorry. I didn't mean go, to ahead, go ahead. Mark. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Um, I just Because you mentioned you were planning on writing a book, uh, I thought of a title for it. <laughs> Let me see. How, what do you think? Leadership Lessons Post-COVID-19 Pandemic. What do you think? I'm kind of thinking about Lessons from failed leadership is more like it. Um, you know, it's really a disgrace for a paramilitary organization. You, you think about we have Commissioner Resnick, chief of detectives, you know, the, one of the greatest investigators on his job, who's now selling his soul to the devil just so he has relevance to get up in the morning. He's making over $400,000 between collecting his pension and a commissioner's salary. And each one of these chiefs and commissioners all wore the same patch we do, all ran on the same gym floor, all knocked on doors, not knowing what was going to happen. And they are throwing cops right in front of the bus and letting it back over them for no reason at all other than to maintain their relative relevance and to sit there and kiss this mayor's ass. It's terrible. You know, I think where the major problem started uh, this year, besides all of the COVID and all that other stuff, is, of course bail reform. And that has been a nightmare in this city and in this state. And I don't know how they're going to fix it. I don't either, Bill, to be honest with you. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of business people, a lot of city residents who are now leaving the city. People are moving their businesses out of the city. And what I find mind boggling is I say pretty often it's going to take two mayoral terms to turn a city around. They tell me it's going to take somewhere between 20 and 30 years to turn the city around. And if you think about it, there's not a single politician that's out there openly supporting police. Most of the residents that, you know, the taxpaying base and stuff, they're leaving the city. They're moving out of state. I mean, you look, Florida's booming. I mean, it's destroyed. And Curtis Lee just announces uh, he, he threw his hat in the ring, Curtis Lee. Well, you have a couple of Republicans running there. Bill, Bill Pepitone has been a, a guest on the show. He's running, and there's uh, another two. But I know that uh, Curtis Lee would just threw his hat in the ring. What do you think about that? Look, a lot of people are throwing a hat in the ring. I think it's anybody's race, to be quite honest with you. Um, what the city needs is someone that can bring people together, explain the logic of law enforcement without safe streets, without having laws. Um, you're not going to have schools. You're not going to have jobs. You're not going to have people walking into their buildings and enjoying the luxuries of their apartments and then going out and having dinners in the city of New York. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I know a lot of young millennials that are leaving the city of New York simply because they don't feel safe. I, ironically, um, uh, there's a, a town in Florida, Naples, 
is the leading place in the United States for millennials to move right now. Um, well, you know, Ed, it's funny. My son, uh, who's 26, he uh, is, a, is a film editor, and he's living in the city now. And the subways have gotten so bad. Terrible. And he's, he lives on 85th uh, on, uh, on the Riverside, and he has to go down to Chelsea. He's thinking once his office opens to take the bus rather than the subway because the subway is like Thunderdome now. I rode the subway about two weeks ago just to see what everybody's talking about. And everybody's right. It's it's almost like going down into zombie land. Um, the homeless are all over the place. Uh, you see people, you know, really in fear walking, you know, riding the subways. And you do know that anything can happen at any point in time. I mean, we watch people getting pushed in front of, you know, tracks. I, I go down there with the anticipation that I actually may end up making a column. Um, it's a mess what's occurring. And they're filthy. Uh, this mayor has destroyed the city. And all of our commissioners have contributed to the demise by following in, in, in the lead of this mayor. If you there look you at the screen, Ed, there's, uh, you know, people are allowed to sleep on the trains. Yeah. There is yeah. garbage. There's rats on the trains. Yeah. It's really disheartening. Uh, we were all raised. Uh, we came up in the broken windows theory policing uh, of the Comstat era. Sure. I don't even know why they still have Comstat. If yeah, I mean, really, gonna, what's the point of that? What's the point what, if what they're not going to do anything about it? What are you they know? doing? I, I can't even tell you what they're doing. Uh, you know, Comstat became a bunch of yes men. They they run up there, you know, to tell everybody this is what we're doing and hope they get promoted. Um, you know, the purpose of Comstat originally with Jack Maple, who was really the architect of fighting crime, was to create a measurement tool of what goes on. Comstat became a tool that generated numbers. Uh, it, it's ultimately to blame for the stop and frisk issue that we've all dealt with. Absolutely. It's all, you know, who can do better than the next guy? It was a stage to embarrass, you know, grown men. Uh, into producing more, the numbers game, you know, and the quotas, it's it right there in Comstat. And I often raise a question, you know, the, the investigators in Comstat who bring you in and say, well, you know, Bill, you've had this homicide for six months. And, you know, did you know that, you know, Joe Smith, who we're looking for, went to his mother's house for his birthday? Well, how do they know that? And right. all the material that they research, do they turn it over to the district attorneys as Rosario material? Do they do that? You know, should that be part of it? That's because interesting. That's really it, well, it is interesting. But, you know, they want to question you, but they don't want to hand the notes over that goes to the district attorney. I hope Civil Liberties is out there watching this right now because this is part of what occurs in the NYPD. This is what I throw in as one of their dirty little secrets um, that they don't want to share what they know because now they have to go to court. Well, those are notes. And my understanding of Rosario, and you're a squad guy, um, you know, your notes pertaining to a certain case becomes relevant to the defense. So let's hear from the people out there if we're correct or not. Well, Ed, we always used to write those uh, voluminous, first they were called bullets and then they were called PIWs. <laughs> and some of them got so monstrous that they would be 18 pages long by the right. time six <laughs> in the morning came around. And talk about Rosario. And I don't know if they ever turned that stuff over, but that was surely Rosario material. It's absolutely Rosario. Yeah. And, you know, that's really going to throw a whole, you know, wrench into the criminal justice system. But they don't want to talk about that, Bill. MC, MC Audio brings up a good point. Mike Cologne, he's a, he's a young podcaster. He's really great. Uh, 
It brings up a good point. He's talking about the, uh, the, the, the crime that's going on in the Asian community, not only here, but nationwide. Um, what, what do you think is going on there? Like, what, what's the situation with that? I think what's happened because we're tolerant of crime. We are now seeing victims who have language barriers and they are now targeted. Um, and I'm making a generalization. Maybe they don't have language barriers, but um, if one is to assume that they may be you know, new to the country or there's issues with language, then the people who are victimizing them have an opportunity to get away with it. Um, and maybe we're also dealing with some who might be illegal who feel that they can't report it. And, you know, this is a whole issue where we get into the whole immigration topic. But um, a lot of immigrants become victims in their own communities and they can't report it. And that's just not right. Whether they're illegal or not, they should still, you know, be able to receive police support and be protected. And you think they're being targeted because of uh, the coronavirus? I, I think some of it is. Um, that's a good point, Mark. Some of it could be because we're blaming the China virus on um, Asians. Um, we saw back a year ago, you know, the Hasidic community, Jewish community was being victimized on an almost everyday basis. When we had Tiffany Harris right after bail reform, I think she attacked five times in a row members of the Hasidic community. Um, what was done about that other than listening to this blowhard mayor saying this is not right. It will not be tolerated in the city, but it is tolerated in the city. Right. It's tolerated by him, tolerated by the DAs, tolerated by the police department. It's tolerated. No, well, and you know, the biggest, the bigger issue and the, uh, the elephant in the room is something that's called decarceration. And that is, that is the major plan. And that is their main goal. And that is why they're not doing anything. A guy can get arrested for three guns in a month and they let him out again. No rhyme or reason for it. Uh, you know, what's happening here is our elected officials are placating to a small minority of a population thinking that they're the majority of the population only because they're getting the majority of the media. And at the end of the day, our elected officials, they're the ones who should be charged with the shootings and homicides and, and the crimes that are going on because they are fostering the atmosphere that contributes to this. And well, they should be charged with it. Look at all the candidates that are running for mayor right now. I haven't seen the Republican uh, the platforms, but I, I looked up well, I didn't look it up. I just happened to run across them. And every single uh, Democratic candidate that was running for mayor at the top of their platform always reads police reform. Right. Now we're at a point right now where crime is um, is so high that I have a feeling that that's not even going to be a question come uh, you know debate time. I think the main question is going to be well, people want to know, what are you going to do f to fight crime? And that's where they're all going to get stumped. Because well, they're all going to lie, Mark. What they're all going to do is they're going to stick to the police reform because they're afraid to address it. And they're all going to lie. And then when they get in, they're going to try to deal with the crime because it's going to just snowball. The question is going to come up. The question is going to come up. Like, how? what are you going to do to, to, to stop this rise in crime, to stop the shootings? And that's where you, they're going to have to forget about police reform. They're going to have to start talking about their plan to fight crime. And none of them. There is no plan. But they have no plan. They're going to lie. They're all going to lie. They're right. all going to sit back and say that you know we're going to work on reform. We need more community involvement. We need, all need to take a a step and get involved here. Just like you hear the mayor saying the mayor's wife. You know, yep. they're not going to let the cops do their job. Don't, don't you think that one of the the first one to say I'm going to hire more cops is the one who's going to take the lead? 
I tell you, Fernando Mateo told me that. And, you know, Dominican businessman, right from upper Manhattan. Um, everybody knows who he is. He's been a grinder his whole life, you know, working, 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 doing things to improve the quality of life for a lot of people. He told me um, that he wants to have more cops. He's going to address crime and that he doesn't want to see his city going the way it is. He did say that. And to be honest with you, I do believe him based on his history of what he has said. I do believe, and I do believe that he will take the lead right away for saying that. Yeah, you, Everybody else, especially, uh, I'm just talking about strictly Democratic candidates. They will all change their tune and they're well, all going to come out swinging and talking about hiring more cops. That's yeah. this is going to be the, the number one thing, I guarantee. You isn't hiring more cops. You could hire 75,000 cops tonight. It's useless if you don't let them do their job. Well, yeah. but that's, that's what's going to make people happy, though. Yeah. You know, that. Ed, one of the things that I think, uh, and it's a cumulative thing, but when they took away uh, jumping the turnstile as a misdemeanor and made it right. just, that right. was a one of the hugest things yeah. for crime in the subway. And uh, our folks that are listening, the reason it's such a big thing is because the people that are committing the crimes, they do not pay their fare. Right. They do not pay their fare. And they also emboldened to carry guns because right. they know they can jump the turnstile and they're not going to get stopped. Many wanted felons were apprehended jumping a turnstile. Many were apprehended. But you got to you got to put that one on Bratton 2.0 as he did with the marijuana. And these little crimes that lead into bigger crimes. You know, the question should be for him. You know, what is the truth? Your first term where little crimes are important or your second term with a not important. You can't have it both ways, Bill. You right. can't do it. Well, you know, it's he interesting. On him, sold himself to get a job. And that's what he did. You know, what's interesting is that you go through like a park in the city and there's all kids playing with their mom, you know what I'm saying? Or their, 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 their nanny and they're all playing together. And then there's somebody like 15 feet away smoking weed right there. Right. And, uh, you know, people you can't do anything about it. But they'll say something, you know, like they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. What's going on here? It's like this. You can call. Them. What are you going to do? You call them over here. They're not going to be able to do anything. There's nothing you can do. It, what you see happening is the mom and the child ends up leaving, going someplace else. That's just not right. It's not right. You, you know, Ed, once the um, people who all fled the city because of COVID start coming back, they're going to see a city that they don't recognize. Bill, I don't recognize the city. I'm born and raised in this city. I've been in this city almost every day of my life. I just walked a couple of blocks the other day right by our office, and I thought I was in the purge. You just didn't see people. Yeah. Street, hardly any traffic. We're talking about, you know, mid-afternoon in lower Manhattan where the streets are backed up with traffic, people all over. Nobody. Nobody out in the streets. The stores are closed. You don't see people in and out of the buildings. People moved out. I think it was 60% Allied Van Lines out of in and out survey of people coming in and out of the city. 60% uh, going out of the city. But how about poor, you know, middle-class commuter that pays for the subway every day and gets on a subway that is scary to be on? Are they going to flee the city or, or you know, they, or are they going to put up with this? They can't flee the city, Bill. This is where you know, Black Lives Matter issue is a phony issue. Because the victims here, the real victims, look at the homicides and the shootings over the last year. You're not going to see a lot of white guys named Mullins in that list. It's not going to happen. What you're going to see is a lot of young male blacks in the teens to the early 20s and into the late 20s that are being gunned down in the streets. And who's screaming about it? The people in the poor communities 
are the ones that want the police and they're not getting them. It's not happening. So they're the they're going to be the tax base that's left after the big corporations start moving out. We saw that happening. Was it Goldman Sachs moving to Florida? We're going to start seeing the tax base change. You're seeing the real estate values come down. So who's going to be left? And it's going to be the people who become the victims. And they're already the victims. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I'm thinking about uh, uh, making a move. And I'm like you, Ed. I've been here my whole life. I don't know anything else. I've been uh, Queens. Now I live in the Bronx. But I don't know anything else. And I'm seriously thinking about it. Yeah. It's changed, Mark. Everything has changed. Look, I'm in every day. I've been in every day of the city my whole life. I can tell you every street there is in this city. But when you see... Nobody there. You go in early in the morning, it's a ghost town. Go in on a weekend, it's a ghost town. Like, what happened to this city? You know, no no parades for St. Patrick's Day. Churches closed. Like, between a governor and a mayor. If there's ever been a remake for Dumb and Dumber, this is it. We're watching. This, this is what's going on. And, well, and April 2nd, it's supposed to open up uh, to 50%. And, um, you know, as somebody who's, uh, you know, I'm performing in the city. You know, uh, it's it's starting to pick up again. I got to say that, and it's it seems like there's a lot of people there from, um, you know, tourists. So it's it's tiny, tiny percentage population, but um, I have a feeling like they're going to come back. Is once they open up to fifty percent, they'll come back. And this is, you know, I think it'll jump. Uh, depending on, you know, Cuomo, he, he needs to make these people happy. So he'll jump to 75%, you know, just to get the heat off right after. He Cuomo may go to 100% because he's afraid of getting indicted himself. And that's the well, only just reason. just to make people happy. He can get indicted. I'm going to say that doesn't happen. Um, I, I just think he's going to hold the line. And is that the nine of the judges that, <laughs> that yeah, he appoints the people that investigate him? I love I just that. think he's going to hold the line on this one. I think if they really have him, they would go for it right now. And, you know, it's gone on for two weeks. And uh, I'm just watching this and I'm saying something, something's not right here. I, I don't know what's going on. This before. There's like four other, uh, at least, yeah, I think it's four other Democratic governors that also uh, decided to put COVID patients inside nursing homes. And they don't want this thing to uh, to get any further than uh, because if, if we really start looking at the nursing home scandal instead of the sexual abuse, <laughs> you know, then it's a different thing. The guy was a creep. Right. Uh, that's what we're focusing on right now. But well, the, that's you're looking at the nursing home scandals. People died, and a lot of these places, the hospitals, they're all getting money for COVID. Everybody got extra money for it. So, you know, what's interesting is think about this um, all of the people that died during this COVID time, did anybody commit suicide? Anybody? get run over by a bus. What happened to our cancer patients? Like no one hung themselves during this. Everything was COVID related. Yeah. And, you know why? Because dollars, that's what happened. I, I spoke to people that worked the morgue. Everything was COVID. Like nobody got hit by a car the whole time. It's just incredible. The fact that that became common knowledge is interesting too. I mean, it's, it's like what you're saying right now, it's like, I'm saying, yeah, I knew that. And I, if you ask the, the average New Yorker with uh yeah, they'll probably say, "Yeah, I knew that too." So the <laughs> we we know jump off the roof in the city of New York. It happens all the time. Not one jumper, you know. Oh, don't forget too that there's a big part of that uh the stimulus money that's coming to New York and to L.A. So that money, hopefully, if it's put to good use, which <laughs> but it'll also uh, these people that lost businesses, hopefully they'll be able to recoup 
they can't get that business back. Maybe they'll be able to use the money that they lost in that business. Hopefully this money is going to go to a small business owners and, and give them a chance. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it's, it's put where we can redevelop the city of New York. But you got to remember, too, that lifestyles change. People are now working from home. It's efficient for corporations to not bring their people back. These yeah, married guys, man, they need to get back to they, they haven't seen their girlfriends in in, in a year. <laughs> They're gonna figure out a way. Believe me, once listen, almost everybody's vaccinated. You know, once everybody's almost vaccinated, and if you didn't get the vaccination, then that's on you. And everything starts opening up again. They'll they'll figure out a way to get it. I like your optimism. I do. But I'm a business business minded person. They're paying big rents. Right? How, long, how long can you Facetime your your, your significant other on on your dupe phone? Who would think people were dating on apps? Right, and scanning these photos, dating. Who would think that would happen? Crazy. Crazy. Baby. Yeah. Crazy. You know, and, and I want to uh, shift gears. And uh, on the twelfth, March twelfth, the city came out with these reforms. I'm oh. going to read. I'm going to read one paragraph to you. With the aim of undoing the legacy and harm of racialized policing, the reforms announced today will bring greater accountability to the NYPD, make New York City residency a more significant factor in hiring officers, that end the poverty to prison pipeline, the release states. That was written by Pinocchio. (laughs) And that's who wrote it, because it's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. To, to label policing as racist is a complete lie because the stats and the numbers do not match. We shoot less than 1% of the population in our encounters, I should say, less than 1% in a minority. And if you look at what occurs, there's all kinds of stats on this, and I, I challenge anybody to go look them up. It, we are not killing young male blacks or old male blacks simply because we have racist cops running around. And we all have plenty of time on this job. I've never worked with one person that got in a car and said, I'm going out to shoot somebody today. I've never seen that happen. Right, Not no, me either. And me you either. and I both know that if it happened, we would either jump out of the car or send that guy home. It just doesn't happen. You know, sometimes things go bad, no different than it does for a surgeon. If a surgeon is performing surgery and a patient dies, it's acceptable. How is that acceptable? And what we do is not acceptable. But it has to be acceptable, otherwise they won't be doing surgery, right? I mean, you got to think about it from a logical point. But if we choose to not go out to enforce the law, then there is no law. But because it's graphic, because people are infatuated with policing, we become the bad guy. And the facts are nothing but a lie. That statement's a lie. Um, it's, it's terrible what you're seeing that's occurring in this city. But there's not one politician out there that is, is telling the truth right now. You know, Ed, we always used to talk about the uh, the Brian Watkins moment. Yeah. And uh, but I I don't know if there w- could be a Brian yeah, Watkins be. moment now. You know, Tess Majors moment. The NYPD lied about that one. You know, Which I got a lot of heat for that. Tess Majors, the young Columbia student that was killed in the park. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. NYPD lied on that one. Completely lied. And in you know, I became the bad guy because I called balls and strikes. Uh, but. The truth of the matter is, it shouldn't have happened. And it shouldn't have happened with Brian Watkins. But if we have another moment like that, you know, if a, a reporter gets thrown off a roof or becomes a victim of a gang rape or something along those lines, you'll see how quickly the police will be set free. Yep. Happen quickly. A police- I'm, a, I'm a suspicious man. Should my son get struck by lightning? <laughs> it could happen. I'm going to come and visit some of the people in this room. 
<laughs> hey, listen, let's do the commercial, man. Oh, All right, I, I got about Dawn Marie. Hi, everyone. Dawn Marie says, hi, everyone. Wanted to come in and say hi. Big hello. She backs the blue. Thank you so much for your $5. Uh, what is that? Super, Super chat. chat. Yeah, I, because there's two different names for it. Okay, so here we go, folks. Uh, this is a, my moment. Uh, the best hot sauce in the world is made by Silk City Hot Sauce. It's made in small batches with pure ingredients using locally grown peppers, and that's the foundation of every bottle of Silk City Hot Sauce. They have many flavors, mild to wild. Uh, go to their uh, website. It's called SilkCityHotSauce.com. Put in the coupon code uh, OTC for off the cuff, and you'll get a 15% discount. I was informed by um, the owner of the uh, of Silk City Hot Sauce that people have been buying the hot sauce and they're very happy with it, most of them anyway. And then there's some people that complain the fact that uh, he was sponsoring us, believe it or not. So that's the world we're living in right now, folks. You mean uh, they want to cancel police off the car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. <laughs> it, might, it very well might happen. So if you're out there and you're doing something uh, law enforcement related and you want to promote our show, we have a we're, we're growing, man. We're growing. We got a nice uh, following here, working right now, and people uh, people are receptive to what we have to offer. They've been buying the uh, the Silk City hot sauce, and it's good. So. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm not even going to mention his name, the owner of the company. <laughs> I don't want to lose him. He doesn't want anything to do with us anymore. He just wants yeah, the money. <laughs> I haven't heard. I haven't, he said, I owe you some money because people have been buying the product. But he said, also said to me, yeah, we're getting uh, – he goes, how much hate mail do you guys get? That's what he asked me. He goes, how much hate mail do you guys get? I'm like, not not really that much. <laughs> and you know what's funny, and I'm sure you get some of the hate mail on Twitter and all of that stuff. And my thing is – if you don't like us, just change the channel. You don't have well, to be right. here. But you got to, you, know? you kind of got to appreciate it, you know, because the malcontents give you a good laugh. And yeah, they do. I always welcome it because I sit back and I say, "Look at these mental midgets with nothing to do in life." So I kind of get a chuckle out of it. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, but well, people even complain that we shout out to the people on our live chat. Yeah, but like I'm sorry you're offended by that. These people are enabling us to do this show by contributing and following us. But people are like complaining. Then change the channel, dude. Remember, you know? Bill, you're not measured by your friends. You're measured by your enemies. I you know so. what funny is too. Like we don't. I'm not. Well, we don't have like a commercial that we air on social media. Um, I, I've been. I was planning to do a commercial. You know, now that I got the streamyard, but it's not. You have to watch the whole show. That's my point. To get to the point of the commercial. So there's some people out there that are watching this whole show, waiting for the commercial. No, no, just watching it because they want to try, eventually uh, cancel culture. They'll try to uh, eliminate us and whatever whatever we have. But right now, we're not big enough to, to do that. But if you're out there, man, and you want to cancel us, please do, because that will build up our numbers. Yeah. <laughs> the whole cancel culture thing, there are more people in this country who support us than there are of those who don't. And uh -huh. you can't quit ever. You know, you got to keep doing what you guys are doing, keep the message going um, and continue to encourage law enforcement and those that support it because the people, the haters have nothing to contribute to this country. Nothing. We're, we're going to do it. Like but we're going to do it. But I'm just saying the fact that you would sit through a whole show yeah, and then notice that we have a sponsor in the middle of it and then contact, like, <laughs> I guess they don't have to go to work. That's you know? how much they, they, these people are invested that they're willing to win. I would never do that. 
I couldn't sit there in front of a show I didn't want. I didn't like. I didn't have a purpose in life, you know. <laughs> you know, our, our guest is Ed Mullins. I believe you got 37, 38 years on the NYPD, right? Yeah. And you've been 39. Oh, my God. I'm not even 39 years old. Yeah. And, okay. and you've been the union president for 19 years. Correct. And to our fans, I was a sergeant for 22 years out of my 27-year career. And Ed, and I'm not, he Ed can't do anything for me now. I'm off the job. But I'm going to say he was the best SBA president, is the best SBA president in my tenure on the job. Thank you, Bill. And he's not afraid to go toe-to-toe with anyone. And that in effect, gets him in trouble all the time. And the people that are cops <laughs> love that he bangs heads with these politicians and calls them in street language what they deserve to be called. He called one city council guy a little whore. I loved it. I, I, I thought that was so amazing. You know, you know, there's a word for that. It's called cojones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed's half Spanish. He's got some Spanish word in him. Cojones, man. <laughs> Who's Spanish? Your father or your mother? My mom. Okay. Mom, yeah. You, you know, look, when you're telling the truth, you can't back down. If you I'm half Spanish too. Are you? Yeah, I'm Dominican and Czech. There you go. That's a combination. Yeah, just like you. You're uh, Irish and uh, Irish and, yeah. and what? Spanish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah listen. So you drink a lot and you don't wear socks. We're, we're New Yorkers, and the irony is whenever you talk about all this, like the last department in the whole world that you should be talking to about racism is the NYPD. When I was in the squad, I got to tell you, uh, the, the racial breakup of the squad was, I think, six or seven Latinos, two whites, two blacks, and I think, and uh, no, it, it was four whites because the sergeants, if I'm including them. And two blacks. Every this the the diversity in the in the police department is in the NYPD, and I would imagine in LA and in Chicago and all these these uh, blue states and blue cities, the major cities, they're very very diversified. So I don't understand. You know, you bring up a great point. You know, when I first started, I started in 1982. There were probably less than I'm going to say ten, probably more like six African American police officers. Probably less than. 10 female police officers and a handful of Hispanics, 1982, working at a 13th precinct. Um, today, I think we're like 63% diverse, you know, police department. Ray Kelly, who's gotten no credit for it at all, deserves 100% of the credit because he made the effort to do this. He made the effort to go out and recruit in all different communities in all different countries so that we had a very diverse police department. And we are now the most diverse police department in the United States. You know, Ed, the uh, 9-11, which we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary this right. September. Right. And when I remember the three guys who responded with me at the time I was assigned to the 2-3 detective squad, Jimmy Zarakis, a big Greek guy, yeah, no, I'm sure. Billy Hicks, a black guy, no. and Zedekiah Jennings, a guy from the islands, uh, St. Thomas, who I could hardly understand. You know, when he would ask someone for a description, he would say, "How he look," <laughs> and I would die laughing. You know, but that—that's the diversity of New York City. Yeah, and we all all would risk our lives for each other. So when they talk about this nonsense, it, it really gets to guys that uh, have talked to talk and walked the walk. You know, back to Forster and Laurie in the ninth precinct back in the late seventies. You know. 
black officer and a white officer were killed because they were partners. Black and a white killed because they're partners by the BLA. Um, you, you know, we we go, we have a long history. And what you just said, Bill, uh, I, I don't think we look at each other by the color of our skin. We, we're all blue. Um, you know, you see, you saw that video you played with the guy on the ground. Everybody jumped in. It was all there. It wasn't who's white, who's black. It's none of that. And that's the way the members of the NYPD respond to the public. Um, they respond to help people. It's not based on the color of their skin. And the, the media and the naysayers are getting too much credit. And it's simply not true. You know, Ed, when I first started, when I was in the detective bureau, and I would have the coverage and I'd go around to the different precincts. Everyone would be like, oh, I can't imagine how the 3-2 cops treat people. And when I got there, I was like, wow, these guys are amazing. They they treat these people like yeah. they were related to them. And no everyone was, oh, they're ghetto cops. They're going to yeah. treat them like shit. And that was no, not true. I saw that in the 6-7. I saw cops buying kids ice cream. I saw uh, Dave Steve, who would go around at Christmas time and, and give gifts to the poorest families in the 6-7, um, along with other cops. No one talks about it. They got no media coverage for any of this stuff. Dave Sieve is involved in boxing, too, boxing, right? Yeah, you know, PBA yeah. boxing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, great program they put together. Sure. And Pat, uh, Pat Russo, too. Pat Russo, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're supporting him big time. Yeah, that's a great thing they're doing over there. And that's what I think, um, you know, when we were meeting over at uh, the SBA and, and, and doing podcasts with you, I remember talking to you about, um, you know, building up that uh that what, what is it called the um community outreach no with the kids what was it called? Yeah. PAL. PAL, yeah. building that back up and i and i was telling you about how you know since i was a comedian if we could we, we could probably get like you know uh, rappers and comedians and all these people to donate money whatever neighborhood they grew yeah, up in. Had to do that unfortunately covid got us too you know it yeah, just, yeah i mean listen i'd love to revisit it it's never too late we're doing a lot of outreach right you know, now. Just the fact that we, what, what he's doing over there, Pat Russo, yeah, it's just that you know, with boxing, but we could spread that out, man. We could have all these people, these celebrities, donating equipment. Uh, the kids could come and play for free. The coaches could be cops, and, and people from their local precinct. And you know what happens with that? You get to know the kids in the neighborhood. So you know, there is Russo's program. You know, you mentioned boxing. He takes a lot of heat for it because it's boxing. What no one talks about is the success that he's had with putting these kids into jobs. Many of them became cops over the years. Um, gone on with their school, gone on with life. No one got in trouble. I think he's had four of the people that have gone through his gyms to go into the Olympics. And I believe I could be wrong, won gold medals. So here's a guy that got no credit all these years. All these years he's been doing this, got no credit. You know why, Ed? Because they don't want to give him credit because no. he's a cop. Right. You know, And these politicians are jealous Right. That he's not the racist cop that they try to, you know. Well, yeah, obviously. Also, too, it's it's you gotta you gotta keep doing you gotta keep grinding though. You can't quit, Mark. I agree with you. Right. you gotta keep grinding, and I think if we we get um, good wins. Good yeah, wins. This is all over, you know, and we can get back to uh, to sports. Right. If we start really looking into putting together a program where we could work together with with um, you know the people that come from New York City that that, you know, like rappers and athletes and stuff like that that grew up here and they make donations to their local, wherever they grew up. And they'll do it, Mark. They'll do it. It's cover all of New York like that. And then the kids would, all they have to do is go online and sign up and they could play. And, and it's part of the PAL. The, 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 the cops would coach them. 
And uh, every once in a while, that particular celebrity, you know, could come in and coach too when they're in town. And and and, and we would, I think it would be it definitely be done. It's outside the box thinking. Uh, there's a lot of people who are willing to participate. It's just a matter of making it happen. And you know, we're trying to make it happen. You and I had this conversation. Unfortunately, COVID got in the way, but you know, hopefully this passes and we'll be back to where we were. Well, you know, uh, speaking about COVID, I mean. You did you did you I, I know you you got like uh you checked out for a minute there right I mean well I don't think it was COVID though but you're better now you look great yeah I'm good yeah I, I had some back issues but I'm I'm good um you know it kind of sidelined me for a bit you know over the years a lot of hockey caught up to me um, <laughs> uh, a couple uh, of line of duty car accidents caught up to me um you know, uh, so, yeah yeah unfortunately you mentioned that and there was a there was an accident today I read about um. With a cop, uh, somebody went through a red light and smashed him. Yeah, it's um, it happens every day, right? We see this every day. You just don't know who's next, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you know, Ed, I wanted to just touch upon the fact that um, the city and CCRB has threatened to go after you. Yep. Uh, well, now they, they actually changed the acronym. It's now FATO. I, I think of it almost like FIDO. You know, FATO, yep. it's force, abuse, Abuse of authority, discourtesy, and offensive language, right. which is what, my God, Ed, you violated that, and CCRB wants your ass sitting in a chair, and they want a piece of you. But you're the union president. Right. That should not apply to you. Well, it does not apply to me, uh, contrary to what they believe. And, you know, to put it frankly, it, this is purely a political hit coming from the mayor through CCRB. Um, I believe one of the attorneys there directly worked for the mayor and did his marriage or one of those things. Um, you're going to see CCRB unravel as we start to tell the little dirty secrets of what goes on over there. Uh, I'm acting as a union president. I am the union president. I spoke as a union president. And they, for some reason, feel that they have the right to um, stifle my speech. Um, somewhere along the line, you know, the brain trust of CCRB must have skipped over this section of the First Amendment um, because they are 100% wrong. Even Norman Siegel agrees with us. Um, they're wrong. They're and, uh, He's the ACLU, which doesn't agree Absolutely. with anything the police But it's do. a hit. And if they think they're going to silence me, Bill, it's not going to happen. It's just yeah, Ed, Do they know that you got Andrew Quinn, who's beaten the feds five times in your corner? It was just, you know what it is? There's a lot of this poke in the bear with the cancel culture. Yeah. You know, they poke the bear and they see what they can get away with. But the problem is, if they know that they can't get you, they start going after your friends, they start going after your family, they start going after people that you're involved with in business. That's what happens. Well, Mark, they can't get me. And when they go after my friends or my family or the other cops, I'm still going to go after them. We're not backing down. It's not going to happen. You're not going to take New York City cops and drag them through the mud just trying to get a piece of me. It's not happening. You, you want to come at me, come at me. I'm going to fight you, and I am going to win. And we're going to expose them for exactly what they are. We've been a little quiet right now, but there's reasons why. And hey, let me ask you about this. this um, because Bill brought it up now. With this open uh, – they just came out with this thing where, uh, you know, you could find out how many complaints an officer's had against right. them. Just go online for that. Uh, so what, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's a disgrace, to be quite honest with you. I've had conversations with people, and they say, well, we pay your salary. Well, I pay my salary, too. Uh, I have to pay tax. Yeah, I always used to say that. Yeah. I pay my salary. I like a raise. You're not paying me enough. But at the end of the day, yeah. you, you don't get to invade my privacy. 
Now, no one, no one, and I know we all agree, wants to work with a bad cop. No one does. Okay. And in fact, most of the calls that go into the internal affairs hotline are made by other cops. So if you think about that, cops don't want to work with bad cops. But because it is culture that's existing right now, um, every elected official is trying to find ways to attack cops. So what do we do? We take their, their history, not so much even a discipline record. If you had allegations against you, they want to publish it. So now well, your neighbors know if you, if you went through a divorce and it was a domestic, it becomes public. And if you go on, as, as either one of you go on to apply for a job someplace, um, you, they can easily look and say, well, you had X number of allegations. What they're not telling you is all the great things that you've done in life. That, you know, that has nothing to do with your experience. Let me ask you, is it across the board? Like, for example, a teacher gets a complaint about a, from a parent. No one talks about it. my kid, right? No one a talks about it. A sanitation worker fails to pick up garbage over here somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? It should be across the board. talks about the elected officials who take campaigns. to go online and see all the complaints from all the city workers. That's the only right. way that works. No one wants to talk about it. No one. It, it's it's you know, cops are the target. When, when teachers become the target one day, you know, you'll see them all screaming and complaining. But don't think that that can't happen. If they can do it to us, they'll do it to the next group. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do it to us, do it to everybody. Nurses. They'll do it to everybody. Your employment should have nothing to do with your personal life. Because that's how silly it is. That's how silly it is, the fact that you can look up a CCRB. It's just like a parent calling up and complaining about a teacher. It's an anonymous complaint in most cases. Same thing. And these complaints come from drug dealers, pimps, prostitutes, people who are being arrested, who committed crimes, simply trying to get even with police officers. And that becomes a conviction in the eye of you know, public opinion. And well, it's really not right. For court. You can stand you can up and a person into court and say, look, we know you did five robberies, but we believe you did 10 others that we can't catch you for. We don't get to do that. Right. But yeah, they can do that with us. You know, Ed, I had uh, Sean McTie on, who was the case detective in Brooklyn North Homicide that had the Amit Sanguian case, okay. among others. But he said uh, two weeks before the trial, he got nailed by IAB for duplicating a city parking permit. And he told this right on the show, so I'm not outing him. Don't you know that that was the first thing in the trial they went after? Sure. Well, this is where the brain trust thinks that they're so smart that they're now creating an atmosphere that's having an adverse impact on serious criminal cases. I mean, we have district attorneys that don't want to allow cops to testify. So any arrest they come in with is automatically discredited. So you just painted cops as a liar based on allegations or, you know, look, if a judge finds you not credible, thinks you're lying, you got to give some credence to that. But at the yep. end of the day, it's so loose that we go to a trial and we're now jeopardizing a criminal case. I mean, it's insanity what's occurring. And yeah, look, we don't lose. We should just shut it down. Who needs lawyers? You the court. We don't lose. See, we, you, me, the cop in the street, we don't lose. You don't commit the guy, you don't commit the guy. The loser is the victim. So if you don't want to protect the victim, don't blame me. I did my job. I brought him in. You know, don't blame me for what you did. And this is what's happening. Well, and it's like the whole, like, defund the police thing, which is the, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in government in my <laughs> life. And even though I'm not a cop anymore, I'm retired. 
I don't want the police defunded. I want police up where I live. I want police all over. There. I want them doing their job. This defund, oh, what do you, you mean? You don't mean defund. You mean you want to give the money to other people. That's like, for example, violence interrupters. They're very efficient violence interrupters. How's you know? those social workers handling all these uh, emotionally disturbed people? I'm right, exactly. I'd love to know yeah. the we're gonna science behind Wait till everybody counts to accumulate. Manhattan North just went into a pilot program. Uh, I think it's the 2-8, the 3-0, the 3-2. And they're going to be sending out the social workers to yeah. handle uh, nonviolent EDPs, which I don't even know how you determine that. Are you determining it's nonviolent based off the 911 call? We know how wrong those are. Maybe 75% of the time is showing, showing up with something different than what you what the no way it made that determination. There's no way. You have an EDP, they could be the nicest guy in the world, and the next thing they flip. But there's, there's a pilot program right now that I read about that they started it up. That's probably coming from Thrive New York, another brain trust of the city of New York. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do, man? We're doing you know, it. The other thing was uh, these geniuses that want to pay gang members not to kill each other. Yeah, I know. I cannot believe that the stupidity of that is, is even, oh, you, know. Is homicide, you know. Yeah, I don't care if they kill each other. I care if they kill that poor lady who was walking across the street in, in, in the picture that you put up. And she got showed, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't care about them. Let me, that, that, I want to avoid that. You think about that, you know, that's extortion if you think about it. You know, we won't kill each other if you pay us. This is where we've gone as, as a police department, as a as a society. Um, we'll pay you not to commit crimes. They don't get pensions. That's why they want to. They want to cut down. They they look at that budget that they get annually. They want. They have other plans for it. And municipalities take up a large chunk of it. There's no doubt they do. But a lot of the wasteful spending is done by the elected officials. And these, you know, get me vote programs that they do. That's what it's about. You, you look at these programs. You know, think about this: is look at our public school system that we graduate kids that can't read. Like we have a robot on Mars, but we can't teach a kid to read. And I don't blame the teachers for it. I think there's a lot of teachers that really try, but you get into family structures, you get into kids going home and there's nobody there. You get into who's doing the homework, you know, the after school, the last key kid. And then listen, like anything else, there's some teachers that don't belong teaching. You know, we read about it all the time at the rubber room, but because the UFT is a huge lobbying group, they, they donate all this money to get what they want. There was a parent sitting at home and they were doing their own work in their own room and they saw, they listened to what their kid was listening to. The kid was in some class where they play rap videos and cream and then the teacher breaks down what it means. <laughs> they break, so the parent comes in, what the, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And the teacher got offended. I don't like the way you're talking to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? I heard about it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's their class we used to do that with poetry you know written by Shakespeare yeah, yeah, yeah. now we're doing our rap videos yeah, yeah. well there were colleges that had you know a course on the rap music of Tupac Shakur mm. wow yeah. so, I didn't know that one yeah I, I mean I didn't well, sign yeah, up for but, it but <laughs> if you're taking a class you're in like grade school or grammar school and one of the classes you're wasting your time on some stupid video Tim Acosta came through with 10 bucks of the super chat. Thank you, thank you, Tim Acosta. Hard and heavy with uh, with Ed, you know, because you're such an interesting guest. We failed to even acknowledge the people that have been shining in the whole night: Joanne Guerrero, uh, Peter Pranzo, Matt Scully, boxing, MMA, Kijak Images. 
She uh, gave, also gave us $10. Thank you so much. I, I know people object to us doing this, but you can leave the chat if you'd like. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we, we also have a couple of uh, a new Patreon subscribers. And while we're at it, why don't we just uh, talk about the Patreon subscribers, and I'll give a shout-out, Bill, to uh, our new ones. Sure. Uh, we have a Patreon where if you want to get content that only the people that pay a, a monthly fee get, you can join our Patreon. Uh, I'll put the, the banner up on the, the screen. That's how you can join our Patreon. For $7 a month, it's called The Bucket. For $9 a month, you can polish my rack. And for the premier tier, $11 a month, you get to dip them in butter, whatever you'd like to dip in butter. That's $11 a month. And that's our Patreon. We get content to them and thank you all our patreon members for your support ron shindell is a is a new patreon subscriber and ron shindell's a retired di and now he's an inspector with the uh, port authority that Smart guy knows how to play the system right <laughs> michael michael mcclough uh, is also a new and elise brand new patreon subscribers justin mccormick bob murphy bobby murphy uh, there's, there's a bunch of those before that. And we, we really appreciate it because, um, you know, we love doing it and, uh, Bill is putting on a lot of great content. Uh, and, and I just posted up a thing about my cold showers that I'm doing. <laughs> and no, listen, uh, sometimes it's you called windhoffing. My son's been doing that for yeah, years. Yeah, it's correct. a weird it's thing, but anybody who's been following the show, look at how, how much my face is drawn now. <laughs> no, seriously, I got my jaw back. I'm getting back. I lost 10 pounds already. There you go. Cold showers, right? From cold yeah, showers. I do the breathing technique. I changed the way I eat, too, but oh, it's all of it together. I'm coming out of this um, this COVID strong. And by the way, if I could mention this to all the Patreon subscribers and everybody who's listening tonight, um, I'm taping, I'm recording my album. I'm recording an album for 800-pound gorilla. Uh, that's my uh, my recording company, and uh, we'll be doing it at the New York Comedy Club, uh, the one, the second New York Comedy Club on Fourth Street, April twenty fifth. It's a Sunday, and we'll be doing two shows, seven p.m. and nine p.m. And uh, you best believe that I'm going to continue promoting this until the day of. I want everybody who's local um, come through, man. It's going to be great. I got jokes for days for you. Really, really good stuff. So uh, I'll be well, I'll be posting more about it. I'll be talking more about it on future episodes. But uh, it's coming up April twenty fifth. Mark that on the calendar. Ed, where? Let me ask you something now. Where do you go from here with the SBA? Are we optimistic, pessimistic? What are, What are we doing? I think we're circling the wagons right now. I think right now it's about taking care of our members. We, you know, it's always been a priority for us. But um, you know, in the absence of leadership, both in the department and in City Hall. Um, I think our number one job is to make sure that our members don't jeopardize their own safety, their own careers, or, you know, the, the interests of their families. Um, you know, we're trying to deal with political issues legislatively. Um, you know, we need a statewide push from law enforcement throughout the state. Uh, we need to do these next seven or eight months, whatever's left with, you know, the Lazio uh, to get him out of here and hope that the next mayor has some kind of semblance of common sense to run a city in the right direction. Um, you know, people do not want this job built. It, it, it's a shame. It's a great job. But in all honesty, I couldn't encourage anybody to take this job. I wouldn't want my own kids on this job right now. Um, is there anyone in the, and I, you know, I, I mean, you don't have to commit, obviously, uh, but is there anyone in the, 
the mayoral uh, group that's running that you feel good about? There's, there's a few people that I like, but we're not really seeing, um, you know, a significant surge by any of them. And, uh, you know, I, I know a couple of them. I also know that they're saying one thing and they'll do another. Um, I was pretty impressed with Fernando Mateo when I spoke to him the other day. I, I just think he's a down-to-earth guy. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. There's a couple on a on a Dem side um, that, that's interesting. I know everyone's talking about Eric Adams. You know, McGuire, I think, has, has a shot. Um, you know, so we have to see. I, I did like Lori Sutton, but, you know, she dropped out of the race. Um, you know, she was a sincere human being. And, um, you know, I, I thought that that would be interesting. But, you know, we got to remember that everybody that's running is ultimately going to become a politician. So the question is, what's pure in their heart? And who runs the best campaign and gets that message out there? Um, it's not just about policing. You know, it's really about protecting the city, developing the city, getting it back to the way it was. I mean, yeah, we have police issues, but I'm a city kid. You know, I don't want to see this turn into, you know, what Detroit was. I don't want to see that happen. And it's know, scary like, that it, that that could happen. And sure. uh, you know, one of the things that people listening to us, and we'll just let them know, it took for a Republican to win the mayoral race in New York City is nearly impossible. Right. There has to be almost like a perfect storm right. oh, of we're crime in a, and we're every in other thing. Category five right now. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, De DefCon five. We're yeah. in. That's yeah. right. We get the DefCon six. Yeah. Maybe a Republican. I do think though, Bill, is that whoever the next mayor is needs to give some serious thought about picking a police commissioner from outside the NYPD. There are a couple of candidates in the NYPD who are pretty sharp, and if they got the job and could break the cronyism of what we're seeing today, uh, then it could change the direction of the NYPD. But, you know, I'm a career NYPD guy. For me to tell you it's time to go outside the NYPD, that's pretty significant. Oh, so you, yeah. want, out of, you want out of town brown again? <laughs> no, there's a couple of people out there that, you know, I've seen around the country that I just think would, you know, foster change. Um, you know, we have really a couple of shop chiefs that right off the top of my head that, you know, and a couple that left, that left and they shouldn't have left, but who would make great commissioners. But, you know, and they left because they stood for their own core values. Um, if, Are you if, referring to Fausto Pachardo? Well, he was a great guy, contrary to what took place. And I know they all try to blame him for, you know, the peaceful protest. That's not true. You know, it's not, Pachardo was a hardworking uh, chief. And he didn't get the credit. You know, we have Chief Harrison right now. who's another. He was a great selection. Um, another hardworking uh, chief. Uh, and there's a couple more of that uh, are still in the NYPD. But I'm going to guess that as things, you know, we've all seen this, as things change, you know, a lot of them leave, a lot of them age out. But they can come back as a commissioner. You know, Pat Ryder, yeah. Nassau County, is a phenomenal police commissioner for Nassau County Police. And, you know, he, he's... Got a small police department, but that guy's a leader, and that makes a difference. Hey, uh, yeah. shout out to six seven two E Galaxy for a fifteen dollar super chat. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. So, Ed, you know something? Uh, we're we're at already over an hour, and uh, what we'd like to say is just we'd love to have you come back again. Anytime, anytime. Uh, 
Yeah. You're a great guest, and you know uh, it, it's great to see uh, a union head that's not afraid to fight for his. Uh, Thank you, Bill. His people. I that's I, I mean that sincerely, and you know I went through a lot of uh, SBA presidents because I was a sergeant for 22 years. Like as Lee Pactor used to say, a police uh, officer from the two three, right, yeah. he used to say, "You know why I never made chief?" And I would say, "Why?" He say. The damn sergeant's test. <laughs> and for me, it was the damn lieutenant's test. But I, so that's why I was a sergeant for, for 22. But it was a great job. But, you know, sometimes that's what you were meant to be. I was yeah. a sergeant. The SFL, they used to say in the academy, sergeant for life. <laughs> I'm in. It worked for me. It worked out all right. Yeah. That's right. They're greater for life. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Ed, I want to thank you uh, for taking the time out. I know you're busy. The phone was going crazy. Probably got some stuff to get back to. We were talking. <laughs> no, you put us on the map. Uh, mm -hmm. Let us know what's going on with Inside Blue 360. It's happening. It's still happening. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you're back. Your back is back. And, uh, we, you know, we're just waiting. We're waiting for the next thing to come out where Ed Mullen jumps in and, and sets it's the coming, It's coming. Brace for the storm. It's coming. You've been quiet for a minute. We're going to tell some stories that no one wants to hear about, but it's coming. And, and then I just want you to see how your hair used to look back in the yeah, day. Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get that chia pet look, you know? You look, you look good. And listen, honestly, you know, I mean, listen, everybody ages. I had a kid tell me the other day that you have a lot of white hair on the sides. <laughs> I blame the bright lights up here for the forehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, dome lights there. the dome lights there. You know? <laughs> it's going to happen. It'll be the end look, you know? That, that's for sure. Anywho, uh, to everybody who uh, was uh, tuned in tonight, Michael, Curly Joe, uh, Brooklyn, MC Audio, 672A Galaxy, Deb da Davis, um, our, fa our fans for life, Rachel Peranzo, Peranzo and her husband Peter, David uh, Abstam, 12-step uh, woman. Uh, there's so many people that are tuning in every night, and it really means a lot to us. And, uh, you know, Bill, Bill is hooking up great guests. And uh, this is this is becoming a thing, man. I'm really, really enjoying doing well, it. Well, Mark, you know what it is now. When I ask a guest, they jump at it. You know, well, maybe a year or two ago, they were like, "Well, who are you guys?" Oh, you yeah. know? oh look, Sandra Rivera uh, yeah. did a, a a super chat for uh, for ten bucks, man. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you so much. It's great, man. She's uh, she's working hard. She's doing her nine miles every day, walking, listening to us. I told her, I hope you never get a car. <laughs> hey, uh, Bill, who do we got coming up for uh, a future guest? Oh, Monday we have a uh, retired Chief Joe Fox. Oh, great guy, great, great humanitarian, great yeah. man, and uh, I'm looking forward. I actually, you know, and he's he did probably close to 40 years. I don't think I ever met him. That's how right. big this job is, you yeah, know. Anyway. Great yeah. guy, you're gonna have a great guest, very inspiring guy. You know, he's great. Duty Ron just jumped in. Sorry, missed a great guest. He probably was doing his own thing, but Duty Ron is the man. He he's the one uh, responsible basically for um, this trajectory that we're on right now. So thank you, Duty Ron. Um, boxing MMA. There you go, Paruso. Thanks, guys. These shows are always great. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, guys, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Ed, for taking the time out to see us again. And uh, I can't wait till we hang out uh, again. I get That's to right. Yeah. <laughs> April 5th. <laughs> get the comedy club going, right? It's April, right. April 25th. April 25th. You, yeah, I, I got a ticket for you. There you oh, go. I'd also like to say Artie Smosh, the Pope of the city, is uh, doing a walkout. I forget. I don't have his date in front of me. Uh, April 15th. 
April 15th. Artie yeah. Smosh is another 40-year man, right? A real loss to the NYPD. Oh, unbelievable guy. You know, I used to call him the Pope of the City, yeah. not even of Greenwich Village. The guy, when Chiefs wanted a favor, they called Artie Schmarsh. Right? Nothing moves in New York City without it going through Artie Schmarsh. It's incredible. 100%. Great guy. So, MMA365 just gave us a $5. Super chat as well. No, that's a five pound. He's from England. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a we take pounds, we take it all. <laughs> yeah, we take it all. Can I get a pizza with that? <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for and thanks again. Have a good night. Thank Good you. to see you. Bye now.